Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so that was where my emphasis was, is just like the... the um, just shall live by faith. How do we live by faith? You know, what does it look like? And, and that's really, it could be the, the, the track that we're going to travel on tonight, is how do we live by faith? Well, let's just begin in, in what we've seen there in verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul is the instrument that truth is coming through, but that is a truth that resonates in the heart of a Christian. I will be challenged in my culture. I will be facing challenges, even struggles, maybe at home or in the workplace or in the places I travel. But I want to make sure that I remind myself, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not. I'm not going to let that creep in. I'm not going to let it, you know, the natural man is always kind of wanting to be in the front and always wanting to take the lead, if you would. And I want to just remind myself, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for the Gentile, you can see. It is the power of God. It's his good news that brings the transformative work, the, the transformation into our lives. For who? Everyone who believes. That is to me one of the most glorious attributes of the gospel. God doesn't say, you know, for the most part, you've been a pretty good guy. You've been an okay person. You've been moderately pleasant to most people. So you're already ahead of everyone. You're, you're going to be closer to heaven. It'll be easier for you to get in. Nor does he say to this person here, well, some of you, <laughs> looking at me, I'm thinking, oh, you are so far from me. I'm going to give you an opportunity, but you better get it right the first time because you're so messed up and you've done so many wrong things. And everybody thinks you're nice, but I know your attitude. I know your heart. See, God does not categorize and say, you know what? It's like a level playing field. Everybody's in the same boat that's sinking. Does that make sense? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's like, I don't care if you're on the Titanic and you're on the bow or you went down when the bottom, the back end of the boat sank. You shouldn't stay on the boat. You see what I'm saying? There's a point. It, it's, it doesn't matter. What matters is everyone, whoever believes, the gospel is given to you, to everyone. I, I think it's, it's so contrary to everything you know. It's so contrary to business. It's so contrary to... Almost every socioeconomic thing. It's contrary to recreation. It's contrary to vocation and promotion. He basically saying you all are invited in. Whoever believes, it is the power of God to everyone who believes. You notice he does say for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. Because he went to the Jew first, God's chosen people according to his phenomenal wisdom and his majestic and beyond our comprehension love for humanity, he set apart a nation referred to as the Israelites, the Jewish people. 
And we have a beautiful history of grace in the Old Testament. Some people think it's more about law. It's actually about grace. It's more about grace than it is about law. The law was given as a means by which man could try to get right with God because man thought he could be right with God by doing right for God. But the law was just saying, this is just to show you, you can't make it. Literally, is what it, was. it was meant to be a schoolmaster, we're told in, in Galatians, a tutor to teach you on your own efforts you can't, make a, you can't be right with God. What an amazing, gracious thing for God to say, that is a dead-end road. Do not go there. And so when people try to go there, they say, okay, it's still a dead end. And the grace of God says, when you get to the end, call out to me. Rely upon me. Grace, can we agree? I, if you're, the Old Testament is seen as like the law. Like it's like two sections of the, of the word of God. The Old Testament, an uptight old man who is about to lightning strike everybody who gets out of line, and then Jesus comes along in the New Testament, calms him down, and gets, gets everybody happy, and then gives this free gift of grace. It is so far from accurate. The, the God of creation is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the grace of the Old Testament reveals that there is consequences to how we live. And choosing to follow God isn't easy it wasn't easy for Abraham, who's a man of faith, identified as the father of our faith. Was it easy for him? But you'll notice he just kept turning his heart and his mind back to God, regardless of his own pitiful sometimes decisions and attempts. Anyway, it's the power of God for the Jew first and also for the Greek. See, when this was written, that was so offensive. For the first 10, 12, even maybe 15 years after the resurrection, the Christian church was the Jewish church. If you understand what I mean, they were, they were Jewish background believers is maybe a way we would say it now. Because it really wasn't until, well, you see it in, with Paul in Acts 10 and really kind of affirmed and kind of clarified in Acts 15 in the Jerusalem Council. But up till then, that 10 years or so, it was mostly Jewish believers that come to Christ. And then the, the, the realization, and I think, you know, obviously God's timing, the door was, it's like it was opened, but people started coming in. Have you ever noticed, like, when something's open and somebody's like, no one really goes in, so everybody stays outside? But then when somebody starts going in, like, everybody realizes the door's open, that we can go in. And that's kind of what happened as we've seen the, the growth and we've seen just the, the work of the gospel taken forth. To, it was taken to the, the Greek, the Gentile. Why? Well, because you can't approach God on your own righteousness. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the righteousness of God, and it's revealed from faith to faith. What that means and that what conveys to you and I from faith to faith is it's kind of like step by step. You know, you know, thought upon thought, line upon line, precept upon precept. You're learning about these things, but learning them here, it has to actually settle here. It has to, to grow in the heart to where you're like, I don't know all, I don't get all this, but I just I want to go one step. I, mean, I just don't want to take a step. We're told to walk by faith. So you, you learn. Does that help you? It's, it's, it's not to be overly compared or laid alongside you know, worldly principles, but it's not to be removed either. Worldly principles tell you that those who work harder generally achieve more. 
not absolute, but any study, any practice, when you, when you apply yourself, you do way better in that practices comparison and how that would be measured. You do better than the person who's just coasting along, correct? And, and so there's, it's not to say we work more to know God more, but it makes sense. It's real simple. It's a walk of faith is faith upon faith, faith by faith, step by step. And even for you, you could look at your own life, every single one of us right here tonight. We can look how it's been a step by step. You know, there was a time for most people that they didn't want to go to church on Sunday. And then they were okay. And maybe they, that's when they came into a relationship with Christ. At some point, they really put their trust in him. And they didn't, you know, just make it a Sunday event. And, and so then they're like starting to grow. But then, yeah, I don't want to go overboard. I got things I do on Wednesday night. I go bowling on Wednesday. And I got my shows on Wednesday and all these other things that are real. But the next step of faith many times is like, but they're starting this study on Galatians, and I'd really like to be a part. I'd really like to learn that. So what do you do? You went from not going to church. You took a step of faith, and you started growing by going on Sunday, and then you take another step, and you grow here. And it, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's just a group environment. You do it in your personal life, too. You want to know the word more, so you figure out a way to, to do what we call devotion. Have a devo It's not plural, it's singular, your devotion. With the devotions in that it happens regularly, so numerically it accumulates, but it's a single effort, your devotion to God. So you read, some of you read in the morning, right? Some of you read at night. Some of you need to go to bed earlier. <laughs> anyway, I just know people. It's like, they're just like, because you, you by step by step, faith upon faith, you know, you, you faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How are we just? How, can we, how could we even think that we could approach the living God, the creator of the universe, who's holy and righteous in all of his ways? How could we even attempt that? Well, we're, we're told right here. For it is the righteousness of God. It is revealed from faith to faith. It's his righteousness given to us. So literally step by step, thought upon thought, action, humility, hope, the just, were just by his righteousness, shall live by faith. So, let's journey now from chapter 1 of Romans, you know, considering how we live by faith and how we grow. Let's go over to chapter 5. In chapter 5 of Romans, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's begin in verse 1, of course. Therefore, well, that word is obviously real simple. You can break it into two words, therefore. What's it therefore? Well, it's, it's in, a, in overall, it's taken chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 4, verse 25. Do you, do you see what happens? Is It's it's building, whether it's talking about, you know, the attitude of the world, the world that we live in that denies God. Romans chapter 1 is very descriptive of contemporary culture. 
and the attitude of people and the perversion in our um, taking place and all these things. So you have Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3, speaking of the righteousness of Abraham, and then in Romans 4, all this building says, Therefore, knowing these things that have already been laid down, having been justified by faith. Justified is a really, I think it's an amazing term when we break it down. Justified. It's just as if you had no debt. You've been justified by faith in Christ. You no longer have a debt. It speaks of the debt has been paid. So we, we no longer have a debt. It's a, it's, it's a twofold term, really. It's an accounting term. If you would, think about how you reconcile your bank account or financially you reconcile things. So in an, from accounting, it's reconciled. There is no debt owed. But it's not only accounting, it's relational, meaning it's, there's no debt owed in regards to righteousness. But love is there too. So here you take a, a cold term, because I think accounting is kind of cold. If you, you know what I'm saying? You just, it's just subjective. It's numbers. But subjective, relational, there's now love. Now, there's no debt. You, you, you don't have a debt. Like, I have to pay God back because he loved me so much. We, we sometimes inadvertently make that connection. I want you to know the distinction or the difference. It's no debt. It's desire. Huge difference relationally. When you have to do something, you may just do it. But when you realize, I don't have to, the question is, why wouldn't I? Why would I not want to? Why would I not do this? So it's no debt. It's just desire. We're told in Scripture, those who have been forgiven much, love much. So which one of us has been forgiven more? Well, ultimately, we've all been forgiven more than we can imagine, more than we can even grasp. But some of us look at our rebellion and our uh, expressed depravity and we realize some of the things that God has changed about in us and he's forgiven us for and so that's why when Jesus said that you know those who have been forgiven much love much they're more in tune with the reality when we recognize individually we realize man God you have I, I know what I deserve and you've given me this amazing grace you've given me this new life those who have been forgiven much love much so then we end up with this great desire to express thankfulness and gratitude and love and appreciation. Do, do you see the difference? You can, maybe you can settle it even in your mind because you're going to have desires. and You're going to want to do certain things in regards to spiritual life. But, but you don't want to do it in a works mentality because debt is related to works. But desire is related to love. Desire is related. It's the relationship. I, I want to please God. I really do. I don't think it's because he's unhappy with me. He didn't die on the cross hoping I'd get my act together. I, I, I want to please God because I just appreciate more and more day by day, week by week, decade by decade now. I'm 30 years into this plus. And I'm more aware of my need for his instruction now than I was 30 years ago. And the more I travel with him, the more I, I appreciate, the more I realize I just get so many things backwards and he brings clarity. So out of love, I hope that helps you sort that out because it's actually where people stumble because they, they, they start doing things and they don't see a lot of change in some because the, they're using the wrong measures. 
And so because they don't see a lot of change, they kind of just after a while just quit coming to church or they quit reading their Bible or they quit praying because they have subconscious expectations that are not realistic and they're oriented around working it out, you know, paying off this debt that he's given me instead of recognizing, you know, I really love God. I tell myself that frequently. I really love God. Why do I have to tell myself? Because I'm slow. I'm just slow. I mean, I am fast to run away. I'm fast to go fishing. I'm fast to go hunting. I'm fast to go do these things that are, there's not, I don't see them as sin unless it becomes, I want to go do that more than anything. Have you ever been where when you're doing something, no matter what it is, you're looking forward to the next thing you'll be doing? Some of you are doing that right now. It's like if we had cake and cookies, I would be going, oh, wow, i got to get this done quick. But it's, it's one of those weird things because we got to just go, wait a minute, I love God. I really love God. I don't verbalize it. I Actually, I am now as I'm kind of encouraging you to be aware of that in your own life. But do you see what I'm saying? I don't want any of these other things to creep in and rob me. I want to remind myself it is through his work. I'm justified by faith. I have, we, you, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting because between you and your creator, you have peace. You know, peace is literally, it, it speaks of the removal of anxiety. Uh, no longer warring with or no longer uh, opposed to, no longer conflicting with. So do you always feel like you're in smooth flow with God? You don't. You feel sometimes, oh, I kind of conflict with God because I did that or this. No, you can't make that attachment. You've got to recognize you have peace with God. You're no longer in, in conflict with God in regards to righteousness because you're in right relationship through Jesus Christ. Now, I will have conflict between the flesh and the spirit, my old nature and my new nature, and working this out and living by faith and walking by faith for the just shall live by faith. I will have conflict there. But it's not, God is not the one saying, you know what, I have about had it with you. I've told you so many times, and you keep doing that same thing. One more, and I'm calling down lightning. You know, it's like we get so kind of, I don't know, it's just a work story. My encouragement is if you're going to live by faith, you have certain truths you know. There's certain things that I, I, I build upon. I have a, a framework. Uh, I'm fenced in. I have a foundation. It's important. It's solid and stable, and it, it doesn't give and flax. And what's the key to that is knowing these truths. That I'm right with God by, because of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to work out these challenges and these issues. And we'll see, it goes, goes on to say in verse 2, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. We have access by him because we responded to his invitation we receive the gift of life through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, and we walk, the just shall walk by faith. So now as we're going step by step, we have access through faith to grace. What's grace? Unmerited kindness, undeserved favor, all this that we didn't deserve and didn't earn. It's poured out upon us. It's made available to us. My pastor used to say things, he used to say it this way, I want to put myself under the spout where the grace comes out. And he had just imagery of just like putting yourself like under a waterfall. You know, when you have this beautiful, refreshing waterfall on a hot day. And you get under, if you've ever been there, you got to, oh, man, this really feels good. 
And he kind of conveyed that in that it's like this, this grace, this unmerited favor, because it brings refreshing, it brings transformation, it brings about this, this change, if you would. And notice he says, you know, that, that we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in this grace, unmerited favor, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope. It's not like we use it, like you have plans, you hope that, that the weather's good that day. It's kind of a prognosis, it's, a anticip- it's just like wishful thinking kind of a thing. But when the Bible's speaking of hope, in, especially in regards to Jesus Christ, it's speaking of anticipation and expectation of coming good with confidence. Not like, eh, maybe Jesus will come back. Okay, so... Maybe he's really not accurate. He said the first time, I'll come. We're told from Genesis 3 forward that there would, God would reconcile humanity. He would offer this gift of, of, of the Messiah, the Redeemer. And we're told in hundreds of scriptures about his coming as Messiah, where he'd be born, the time he would come, the life he would live, the means by which he would die. We're told that that's set. It's a prophetic It's been a fulfillment because he came the first time. And he said he's coming back. There's many more scriptures to support that. So, well, is he? Maybe. No, see, that's the problem. I have a confidence that God said he is going to do certain things, and he's going to do it. And this is one where we have the hope of the glory of God. Glory speaks of splendor, of brightness, of of excellence, of, of preeminence even. We have this hope. And there's a song out there I I'll look it up on my phone, but we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We are uplifted. We are encouraged because we have confidence of a certain thing that's going to take place, revealing the majesty, the preeminence, the, 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 the greatness of our God. We rejoice in that. So you don't rejoice in the news on a regular basis. I'm just, comp- just taking a wild guess. But as you catch the CNN headlines and all the other distorted uh, uh, it's not really journalism. I think it's more just junkism or whatever you may call it. It's, it's, anyway, you get it, and you don't go, wow, that's encouraging. You just go, what a hoax. But this whole, this news, you go, wow, man, this is good. I'm looking forward to the glory of God. I'm looking forward to what he'll do. But guess what? As we're enduring, as we're looking forward, with not only that, verse 3, we also glory in tribulations. Excuse me? You have great hope and confidence in tribulations. Well, how can you do that? How can we say, okay, well, I'll just, it'll be okay, it'll be, it'll, it'll be good for me. No, even at James, it says to consider it pure joy when you go through various trials, indicating to you and me that we will. We will, not if we go through various trials. Well, how do you handle that? How, why can you deal with that? What is a very practical way in the way a human experience of living? How do we live by faith, knowing that we're going to face tribulations? Well, it says we glory in tribulations, and here's why. This helps. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Oh, so there's a painful process of maturing taking place. We could use a church word. There's a sanctifying process. We're being sanctified, set apart. We're already made right by God in his sight. 
But now there's this purging work of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who is now purging out and pushing aside this old nature. And there's this process. And so we we're told that because we, we understand that, then, then we can glory in the tribulation. Okay, God, you get the you, you, it's gonna work out. You're you're flushing this from me. Do you feel that needs to happen regularly in this world you live in? Do you need to have that old nature flushed? Have you been a Christian very long, maybe a few decades, a couple decades, and something comes up from the pit of your soul and you are offended by what showed up? You want to just throw up. You're just, ah, and you're glad nobody else knows it. It was only brought to your understanding. Guess what? It is through trials that that really kind of gets broken loose. And then you give it to God like, God, could you just take that away? I don't get why that's still here. I don't even know why that part of my, my brain, I forgot things yesterday, but somehow I really remember profane vocabulary from three decades ago. Could you just take that out of the database? Could you just remove that somehow? Could, I asked him to format the hard drive one time. And he says, it doesn't work that way, Dan. So I'm asking by faith. Still didn't work. <laughs> He's like, listen, I'll take it out one, one at a time. You put it in one at a time, and you'll see that I'll work it perfectly in your life. I'll, I'll, you'll see this process. And so we come to realize, well, it does help. You know, some of us heard those words from our parents, and we know the truth. We're absolutely certain at this time. But when you're 7 or 12 or 16, and they're like, it's good for you. It produces character. You didn't go, that's a good point, Dad. I'll make a note, but I'll put it on my window, whatever. You know, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But guess what? Later you look back, and I'll just say this quickly. You know, my dad, something happened, and I don't know if it was something, some medication, or I'm not sure what happened, but when I was at home, I was 18, I was working in the same company he was working for. So we rode to work together after I got out of high school. He was just so dumb. He was just a dumb human. I'm like, I'm listening to his stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy ever shut up. Like, oh, hey, 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 it's always got to be his way. And I don't know what happened between 18 and 19 and 25. He took smart, he must have ate that candy smarties because he'd been eating dum-dums because you are what you eat. So if something happened, he got really smart when I was like 25, 26. But did he change? No, actually he didn't. He did because he's putting up with me. But what I realized as I got older, he actually knew what he was talking about. He actually had character and understanding and integrity that I just chose not to see. And so my point to all that, I didn't understand it. Now I look and go, okay, there's a process. You go through difficulty and hardship, and it actually can, it can. It doesn't always produce character. My dad's brother was a believer long before my dad was. And Uncle Warren had said this, after having probably 25 or 30 different joint surgeries, because he had uh, a type of arthritis, I think it was rheumatoid arthritis, really, it was really tough on him. And here he's a believer, a very open believer. And for, for a couple of, more than a couple of decades, he went through intense pain. And when I come to Christ, I sat at their living room, and, and him and Aunt Carolyn had said to me, you know, they're talking, we're talking, and they're really just giving me words of encouragement. They're excited because, you know, they knew Danny, and now they see Dan. Two different people, you know, and they're like excited what God's doing. And, and Uncle Lauren said this to me, you know, in regards to hardship. 
and personal struggle and deep pain and, and not being able to reconcile why as a child of God he was going through such suffering. But he said, you know, this I know, Danny. You do have a choice. It'll make you better or it'll make you better. And that was his mindset. He was just going to take one or the other road. He knew that. And he didn't say, I always take the better path. He knew that these things, are, they're going to, I have an opportunity. In difficulty and hardship, I can let these things produce, as we see here in Scripture, you know, perseverance, character, character, hope, because hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as we see in Sunday, is not a, merely an essence or a power. He is a person. And he indwells us at the moment we're born again. And he guides us into all truth. And he speaks to the innermost being. And he speaks in a very gentleman way, but a very um, uh, important way. And that he, he brings us to the truth. And if we can learn to be honest with God, we're going to see the transformation of God. But if we're unwilling to agree with God about things that are shameful or difficult or hurtful or confusing... Then, then we're going we're gonna to continue to vacillate. We're going to continue to wander and struggle. And, you know, this, this Holy, the Holy Spirit, he, he, he's been poured into our hearts. He opens up the awareness of the love of God. Why is that so important when you're going through trials and struggles? Because God is not punishing you when you're going through difficulty. And we have to know that. I'm going through difficulty. It just said that in the previous verse. Trials and these various things. Hope does not disappoint because I know I'm loved by God. I didn't know my dad loved me when he was so hard to deal with in his dumb days. But I did realize later that he did love me. My dad is maybe like many of your authority figures or relatives or mom or dad. I don't know that I ever heard my dad say I love you as a teen, into my 20s, 30s. He might have said, I just don't ever remember it. And it really wasn't something he verbalized. But looking back, I had no reason to ever question his love because of what he did, what he did to provide for a family of, of six on a really low income in a very tough time, tough season. His love was expressed in so many different ways. And the, you know, love to you, our love, God's love for us has been expressed, it's been poured out. So when you're going through a trial and a tribulation and a difficulty, know this, God loves you. God loves you. He will carry you through. Some of it is corrective. He's bringing it into your life corrective. Some of it is because you live in a fallen world, and he's going to carry you through. It's not because you did this wrong or did that right or any other thing. It's because you live in a fallen world that has rejected God. And because you live in that kind of world, there's going to be heartache. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be horrible things done by humans to other humans. It's going to happen. It does not mean God does not love us. Matter of fact, as we see the love of God, we start realizing, I want more of God and less of this life, this world, this, 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 this value system. We are in no way going to finish our study tonight. So. Well, you know, maybe we will. Let's just go to, uh, let's move on over to chapter 13. Yes, we can do chapter 13, verse 11. Now, as I've talked about, and I've skipped chapters 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it first. Let me go to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If we could back up on the projection. Once again, we have a, a, a therefore. 
I strongly exhort you. I, I really encourage you. I exhort you. I, I beseech you, therefore. Verses 1, chapters 1 through 11, revealing, okay, all these things considered because of what God has done, because of the grace that's been given, because God and the person of the Holy Spirit indwells you, because you know his love, because you know the trials and he's, his strength. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So do not be conformed. Do not take on the shape, but be changed, be transformed. How is that? Because the Holy Spirit just changes you. That's what we subconsciously want. And that's what we sometimes doctrinally in error, in, in error think will happen. No, it doesn't happen that way. God doesn't violate your will. It says, as you can see from the text, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As you, as you go from wanting all of this in this world to wanting more of him and knowing him and, and knowing his word, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're resetting, you're renewing your mind as he's walking you through, as he's leading you through in the person of the Holy Spirit that you may prove, and it literally is put to the test and know, put to the test and know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Every person who's hearing this message desires to know the will of God for their life. Every single one. And here's the key to it. Come on in as we, we'll, we're just going to wrap up here right now. We're in chapter 13 now. And do this knowing the time that now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's interesting with that word nearer. So it's kind of obvious, right? If you got saved on Monday and now it's Wednesday, you're closer to his return by two days not rocket science. So there's that concept, that simplicity, but nearer speaks not just of date, but desire. As you grow faith by faith, or step by step, you, you go from here and you long more of, for more of him. So it's date and desire, it's, it's proximity and priority. It, it's an element of length, it's been shortened, and longing. And so we, we're, we're nearer. Remind yourself of that. Realize I'm closer to his return. The night's far spent. The, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. It's, a, it's using it actually a phrase that's expression. It's a physical appearance. It, it could be tied to garments where you take off one and put on the other. You don't put one over the other. You know, like when I worked in the truck shop, I'd come home and I had my work clothes. And I didn't put something, a nice shirt on and go out to work or go out to dinner with Kim. Now, if it wasn't too hot, I could probably do it. I could probably pull it off. The problem is it smelled like diesel smoke or it smelled like paint if I was spraying that day. Or, you know, if you work at Simplot, you have a different odor that comes home with you. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like you just don't cover one up. You take that off and then put this on. And too often we're trying to put the, the Lord's garment over the world's, we'll not call it a fragrance, it's an odor. The night is far spent. In other words, we're close. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on, once again that picture, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision 
for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Um, I guess I would just simply put it this way. Adorn your heart. Let that be an expression. So you understand the idea of the old nature, the old man, and the new man. So with that thought, let the old guy die. Don't take that out of context and, you know, say, Dan is into euthanasia or some stupid thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I say these little quips and short things, and I'm like, that's not what I said. Get the whole content, you know. But you get it. Let the old guy die. My old nature has to die. Paul said it really beautifully in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, how? In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He, he realized I'm putting off this and I'm putting on this new person. And this person, not, put on is not fraudulent or facade or some sense of pretension. It's just this is priority. Adorn your heart. And, and I wanted to end with this portion because it's really what baptism is about. Baptism really in so many ways is about saying, you know what? I'm, I, I know the old nature's there, but I'm, I'm living this way. I'm choosing to live for him. So with that, um, let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the study. And as we would just continue in an act of worship and, and receiving and recognizing your presence, Lord, as we would have this time of, of baptism and have this time of, of just thanking you and being grateful for your love, Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So functionally, practically, what I'd like you to do is if you're going to get baptized...